You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We're going to be in Matthew 9 tonight. And, uh, and uh, you know, I've preached out of this passage before. Um, but um, tonight I want to try to come at it from uh, maybe a different angle uh, this evening that maybe we haven't really thought about before. Um, and with Love Works, you know, again, uh, just, just pointing out um, on the banner, you know, the, the heart is the same, Love Works is the same, the, the year is different, obviously 2023, uh, which just doesn't, by the way, it doesn't seem possible that it's 2023 and here we are, it seems in January is already almost over of 2023. It just goes so fast sometimes. Um, and yet, you know, it was a year ago or so that I stood up here and introduced Love Works for the first time. Um, but, you know, the, the, the new banner has Sioux Falls on it, listed on it. And uh, if you'll look in the background, I mean, I, it's hard for me to tell exactly, but I, I know that that's the Greenway because that's, that's part of the map of Sioux, of Sioux Falls there. Just as part, just a little Easter egg there um, on the uh, on the banner, and uh, just to again reinforce the idea um, of of our responsibility to the city of Sioux Falls. And I know that we have people in other from other communities, and I don't want to leave you out of all this. Um, but Sioux, but Eastside Baptist Church is in Sioux Falls, and so that that really is a, a big part of our focus. But um, I would like to use this passage tonight to kind of help us see this uh, truth that I think will be a help to us because it's something that, I, that Jesus himself experienced. And, and I just, I want to present this tonight in a way, almost, I don't know how preachy it'll get, maybe more of a mindset uh, kind of a message where I just present, um, you know, my heart tonight to you about this truth and yet something that I think is absolutely essential to the future of Eastside Baptist Church. So if you're there in Matthew chapter 9, if you wouldn't mind standing out of respect for God's word. And uh, by the way, I appreciate the uh, fervor with, with, which, with which the Wasson family stands. When I say, please stand, they are, I think they're a competitive family because they're always trying to be the first ones all up. And they typically are. So I just want to challenge the rest of you. If you think you can beat the Wassons, it's like, a, a, you know, one of those games where you're trying to hit the whack-a-moles. You know, just see how fast you can pop up there. So anyway, uh, they really respect God's word. Okay, Matthew 9 is where we're going to be. By the way, I just want to say, uh, Brother Roger walking in wa around without a neck brace makes me thankful for the grace of God and uh, his protection. Um, and uh, you would hardly know uh, that a few months ago, um, he had a very serious motorcycle accident and how God protected him on the road. I'm so very, very thankful uh, for that and for him uh, being able to stand up like he just did tonight. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, very familiar verses. And so I'd like to read them together out loud. If you can read them uh, with me, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 is where we'll start. And then we'll go through the end of the chapter for 35 through 38, Matthew 9. Ready? Begin. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. 
But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The title tonight is is this, uh, See the Forest Beyond the Trees. See the forest beyond the trees. Jesus Christ uh, uses a farming reference, and so I figured we would stay in that general area and see the forest beyond the trees. I really believe that's the principle that Jesus Christ wants us to learn here in Matthew 9. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time. Father, we are um, so very... Uh, thankful for the day that you've given us. It's your day and we're grateful for it. We pray that you'd help us to please you, um, not just in the morning, but also Lord tonight. We are uh, in desperate need of your help every time that we meet and we, we need your Holy Spirit to illuminate your word and we need your spirit to work on our hearts and soften them so that we can be uh, hearts uh, that are soft enough for seeds to be planted in. And God, sometimes our hearts, even though we come to church and we know the routines, our hearts become hardened and a seed can't penetrate. Tonight, I pray that you'd help a seed to penetrate so that we can have the heart of Jesus Christ uh, regarding this matter. Lord, help us as we open it and look at your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You've probably heard the phrase, you can't see the forest for the trees. And so I'm just going to ask, I mean, is anybody, would anybody like to maybe try to explain what that, what that phrase means tonight? You, you can't see the forest for the trees. Any of our young people, uh, is that something that you've heard? Have you heard it? Young people, have you heard you can't see the forest for the trees? Okay. Y'all need to get on Instagram or something more because it's on Instagram. Okay. Uh, Caitlin, you raised your hand. What do you think that means? Okay. All right. She's heard it. Um, I'm sorry, I thought you were saying you know it. Okay, can somebody describe? I, our communication's great at our house. So um, anybody give me an idea what it means to say you can't see the forest for the trees? And well, I'll give you room. I mean, it, I'm, it's no wrong answer. Um, I saw, Sherilyn, what do you think it means? That's exactly what I would. And probably many of you would have said that. It, it's, it's really easy to focus so much on the specifics that you miss the big picture of something. And that's exactly, I mean, that wording is almost exactly what I was going to say. Um, and the idea is that a person doesn't understand or appreciate the larger situation because they're so focused on a few parts of the situation. Uh, this morning, uh, Stephen Spillman uh, gave a devotion, a great devotion in, in men's prayer meeting this morning out of Proverbs 14.4. And the verse is this, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but with much increase is, but much in increases by strength of the ox. And the idea is, yes, if you don't have an ox, then you have a clean pen. You don't have to clean up after an ox that you don't have. But if you don't have an ox, you also don't have an animal to help you with the labor. And, and, and that's the idea that, that you can become so focused sometimes on the downsides or on the, the things that you're having to do day by day that you might miss the benefits of the ox. You might miss the benefits 
um, of, of whatever you're dealing with in the moment because you're focused on maybe sometimes the negatives or maybe the, um, the, the parts of it that are tedious or, or hard or you're just kind of fed up with. I mean, sometimes I, I think it's going to happen in life um, like ra with raising children, for instance. It's hard sometimes to see the forest for the trees when you're raising children. And moms and dads that have had small children, children you know that, that you can, and, and Stephen even talked about it this morning, and uh, I think he even was talking about diapers in men's prayer meeting. I don't know why that's on his mind right now. Um, it's because they've got a baby on the way, and, he's, and he knows there are going to be some things about raising a child that are not easy or that you don't, that are less desirable, things that you don't want to do. And if you get so focused on those things, you're going to miss the fact that having a child in the first place is a gift from God and a blessing that we get to be parents of children. You don't want to miss the big picture by focusing on the specifics. I, I, he, he even brought up the example of working on your car and you know, if you don't have a car, you don't have to work on your car. And that sounds great until you need to go somewhere. And then you're thinking, okay, maybe having a car and working on it is worth it because there are benefits to having a car. Uh, fixing maybe a problem in your house. And if you don't have a house, you don't have to fix the problems in your house. But if you don't have a house, it's going to get cold this winter. Uh, dealing with, maybe dealing with people, people at work. You know, people at work will make you appreciate the verse. When, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. When you don't have to deal with people, you don't have to deal with the messes that people make. And you don't have to deal with the drama that some people come along with. I mean, some people just have drama attached to them everywhere they go. And yet, um, if you don't have a job, you don't pay your bills. So you need to work and you need a job. And, and those people, they, they are valuable and they are worth it in God's eyes. They matter, every soul does, uh, to our Lord. And so, yes, people uh, can sometimes bug us or drive us crazy. Um, but, but you can't lose sight of the big picture if, by focusing on the specifics. It's easy to miss the big picture when you're focused on a small part. And you know that happens in the ministry, in ministering to people as well. Sometimes we can get so busy that we lose sight of the big picture. And when we come to Matthew chapter 9, Jesus Christ is busy with ministry, very busy with ministry. And, and, and sometimes meeting people's needs, it keeps you busier than you can handle. And, and, I, and you have been here, and, and I know that I've been here as well, when you're just trying to keep up with all of the things that are coming at you and you don't feel like you can. Uh, Jesus was meeting needs left and right here in this chapter, Matthew 9. This is, uh, I mean, we could go back multiple chapters and see this, but I just want to give you a rundown of what's happening in this chapter here to let you see what kind of busyness Jesus was facing. Um, he comes to Capernaum there in verse 1, and we're not going to read all these, but I just want to give you kind of an overview. He comes to Capernaum, and he goes into, um, into his own city of Capernaum, and he goes to a house, and these four men bring their friend to him, a friend who has palsy, which means that he's paralyzed. And they bring him, and it doesn't give the details here in Matthew 9, but it's the story of the four men that are carrying the corners of their friend's bed. And, and the house is so full they can't get to Jesus, so they climb up on the roof and they lower their friend down to Jesus through the roof. I mean, that's how full the house was. 
And listen, if the house was so full that they couldn't get in the front door, that means there were a lot of people seeking Jesus' help that day. A whole house full of people. Well, while he's, uh, after he heals this man uh, and, and he tries to move on, then, then meeting people's needs, then he starts being criticized by the scribes. And they're saying things like, he's a blasphemer. Uh, nobody can forgive sins except God. Who does he think he is? So again, I just want you to get into the mindset of Jesus. Amidst all the work and all the busyness, he's trying to also deal with critics. Life is busy. He's got a lot of things on his mind, yet at the same time, he's trying to answer people that are criticizing him and saying he's literally, he's blaspheming God by the things that he says. So he's answering critics, but not only is he answering critics, uh, down in verse 9, he's also reaching people. He comes across uh, a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of the custom and, and says, follow me. So even though he's busy, and even though there are people criticizing him, he is still about his father's business and reaching people. He's thinking about people. Well, and, and even then, so after he reaches Matthew and says, follow me, and Matthew follows him, it comes to pass that he sits at meat in, in the house. And, be, and while he's sitting at meat in verse 10, all of these, all of these uh, people come in, and they're not the kind of people that you typically would eat with. They're publicans and sinners. They're tax collectors, and they're people that don't have respect in society. These are the less desirable people in the culture. And they come in while he's eating, and they sit down while he's trying to eat. Have you ever had anybody, um, like a waiter, you're trying to talk or eat, and a waiter keeps coming up? I mean, you want a waiter to give you attention. Have you ever had a waiter that interrupts you like every two minutes, and you're just like, please, we're just trying to talk here? Well, here's Jesus trying to have a meal and people of less than desirable reputations come in and crash his, his supper. And that's all happening at once. While it's happening, more criticism comes from the Pharisees. And, and they say, why is your master? They say to his disciples, why is your master eating with people like that? I mean, well, how could he do that? Doesn't he know what kind of people they are? In the middle of that criticism, um, the disciples of John the Baptist come along. And they come and they, they, they say, okay, listen, um, why then do the Pharisees fast more often than you and your disciples? Jesus, why? So he's helping people. He's answering critics. He's trying to reach people. He's sitting down and having his supper interrupted. More criticism from people. And now John the Baptist, his, uh, his own cousin, basically, um, he was supposed to be on his side, comes, his disciples come along and they say, why do the Pharisees fast more than you? So he's getting criticism not only from the people on the outside, he's getting criticism from people that should be on his side. So he goes along in verse, look at this, verse 18, it says, while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler. So while he's answering these people that have come to him and say, why do you, don't you fast as much as, as uh, the Pharisees do? While he's saying that, Somebody else comes along. Have you ever had somebody who comes right in and butts into a conversation you're trying to have and, and you're trying to figure out you know, how to you know, push, shove them away diplomatically because you're in the middle of a conversation? That's kind of what happens. He's talking to John the Baptist's disciples and somebody else comes along and this guy says, hey, listen, my daughter has died and if she's going to live again, I need you to come and raise her from the dead while he's speaking. Right in the middle of it. 
So Jesus gets up to head her way in verse 19. On the way to raise this girl from the dead, a woman with a blood disease uh, reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. You know this story. You've heard that, I'm sure. And, and, and while, when she does, it makes him stop and turn and say, you know, basically, who did that? Who touched me? And, and there his disciples are like, Master, there are all kinds of people around. There's all kinds of people touching you. No, he said, no, but no, somebody touched me for a specific reason. So while he's trying to get to, to the house of this ruler and raise her, his daughter, somebody touches the hem of his garment and it makes him stop. Do you see how busy he is? I mean, how one thing after another, it's like rapid fire ministry. Sometimes, I mean, we have some weeks like that, don't we? Seems like there's something going every night, every day. You've got something to run the kids to and something to take care of and appointment, appointments to take care of. Well, these are people coming to Jesus, basically asking him to help them with their needs. When he finally makes it to the ruler's house and he hears the mourning, mournful music, he says in verse 24, she's not dead, she's just asleep. The people that hear him say that, they start laughing. They start mocking him. I mean, so he's busy with needs. He's facing criticism. He's reaching people. He's having his meals interrupted. He's being criticized for hanging out with the wrong kind of people. Uh, John the Baptist's disciples come along and they're asking some loaded questions. And he's having to stop to heal somebody on his way to raise another person. And now he's being mocked for saying the girl's not dead, that she's asleep. After that happens, he raises her from the dead, which, you know, that's, that's not really just a bullet point. I mean, he raised her from the dead. That's a big deal. You think after that, I mean, he's like, I'm going to call it a day. That's a pretty big accomplishment. Well, he's not done yet because after that, two blind men come up in verse 27 and they come up to him and they, they, they ask him to heal their eyes and he does by touching their eyes. He says, now keep it to yourselves, but they don't listen. They go and they publish it all over the place and tell everybody and that just makes him busier. Uh, and then after that, this possessed man who can't speak, they, it gets brought to him and he casts out a demon and the man can speak again. In verse 33, while the multitude is marveling over all that he's done, the Pharisees, once again, they accuse him. They, use it, they say, you're using Satan's power to cast out demons. That didn't stop him, though, as if to emphasize just how busy he was. Again, we read verse 35. He goes, he goes into all the cities. All the villages, he's teaching in their synagogues, he's preaching the gospel, he's healing every sickness, he's healing every disease. Well, you talk about busy. I mean, from sunup to sundown, he's healing people and, while taking criticism. While he's trying to eat, only to have people of ill repute crash his dinner. He's helping people while fielding tough questions. And he's reaching people, um, but not being able to finish the answers that he's trying to give. Because more people keep coming. He's trying to raise a little girl from the dead um, while being mocked about it. I mean, casting out a demon while being accused of doing it in Satan's power. I mean, isn't it true that life sometimes feel like, feels like you're juggling knives and somebody comes along and puts a blindfold on you? You know, as if it wasn't already hard enough, as if you already didn't have enough going already, then somebody comes along and makes it harder and asks for one more thing from you. This and that's ministry at times and that's life at times. It's a balance and it's hard to strike the balance correctly. I mean, if anybody could do it, if anybody could do it, it was Jesus. 
But there's still only one of him. I mean, he chose to come in one body. He could have come in any form he wanted to, but he came in one body. He couldn't, I mean, he could be, but he chose not to be in multiple places at once. He came in one body, and, and that's all he was. He was limited to the fleshly body that he had. And listen, if, if this was you or this was me, nobody would blame us for taking a vacation. Nobody would blame us for taking a few days off because everybody is coming after him and everybody wants something from him and everybody has a need and nobody would have thought twice about him taking some time away. But notice what he says in verse 36 and don't lose me here. I'm trying to get to a point. In verse 36, he says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Now, this doesn't sound all that different from what he's been doing. I mean, he's meeting people's needs. He looks out and he sees people with more needs. But I want you to think about the difference. See, to this point in the chapter, people have been coming to him. It's been busy, sure, but in many ways, he's simply responding to the needs of people as they come to him. And you, well, you've been there where you feel like you don't ever get anything accomplished that you need to accomplish because this person comes to you and then you focus on that. This person comes to you, then you focus on that. This person comes to you, you focus on that. This person comes to you, now you're focusing on them. But I want you to notice, though, in verse 36, there's a shift in his focus. The Lord takes a moment to look past the ones coming to him with needs to see the multitudes who aren't coming to him with their needs. See, and when he stops to take note of the multitudes, we get a glimpse into the heart of Jesus Christ for people. He doesn't teach the, a lesson. He doesn't turn this into a big parable or a big story. He doesn't sit his disciples down and teach a deep doctrinal truth. No, it's almost as if for a moment the curtain uh, gets pulled back and we get a glimpse into the heart of God for people. We see what his love looks like. He's moved with compassion. And it's as if moved means that his bowels yearned. It's as if um, his insides are twisted or making it uncomfortable, almost like it hurts. Have, have you ever seen an image or seen somebody and had such compassion on them that it, was, it moved you? I, I mean, I have. I, I've seen images that, I thought, man, I can't. I can't hardly get that image out of my head. And, and it reminds me when I kid, my, when my girls, you know, they see a, a, a cute puppy or a, a, a little kitten and they say, aww. I mean, that's not what I say. I say, ugh, a cat. But my girl, yeah, amen, thank you. First amen in four minutes and 30 seconds, okay. But my, my girls look at me and say, aww. Look at a kitten and they say, oh, isn't it so cute? Well, you know, they have, they're, they're not manufacturing that response. That's just a response of, oh, man, I, I, that's a really cute cat. You know, when the cuteness level is that high, you can't help but say, oh. Well, ramp that up multiple times. And Jesus Christ is looking out and he's seeing people that are fainting spiritually. 
They're scattered. They're like sheep with no shepherd. And we get a glimpse into the heart of Jesus Christ here. You see, it's in his nature to look at people and say, Man, I really want to meet their needs. It's in his nature, to, and he doesn't just look at their needs. He doesn't just look out and say, yeah, well, they've got a lot of needs. Well, that, yeah, that one really has a need, or that one has a need. No, he puts himself, himself into their sandals. And he operates or acts as if he's the one with the need. That's how moved he is. That's how we become moved with real compassion. Is when we no longer view it as, okay, they're there and I'm here, but we're different. No, if you want real compassion on people, then you must take yourself out of your life and put yourself into their sandals or their shoes and feel their need. That's how you begin to love people and have compassion on people in such a way that you say, I will do whatever it takes to meet their needs. He's, now, he's seen multitudes before. I mean, just one chapter before this, the multitudes came to him, and you know what he said to his disciples? Hey, let's get in the ship. Let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So it's not just that seeing a multitude is what moves Jesus. No, there's something different this time. It's the condition of the multitude that makes the difference. And this is, a, this is the pivot point right here. So I want you to lock in. I know some of you are tired and, and, it, and it's not as cold as it was in here earlier. Um, and so you start to warm up, you start to get sleepier. And uh, I'm sorry, it's been very cold in here, by the way, today. But it's for a reason to keep you awake. So uh, don't go to sleep now that it's more comfortable. You see, in the first half of the parable... The people coming to him, they were aware of their needs. I mean, the, the, friends, uh, the friends of the paralyzed man, I mean, they knew he had an issue. They're like, he can't get to Jesus without help. We better help him. The ruler, he knew that his daughter needed Jesus if he was ever going to speak to her again. He knew there was a need. The woman with the issue of blood that touched his garment, she touched it because she knew she had a problem that she couldn't fix. The blind men, in verse 28, it says, they came to him. How would they come to him? Well, they clearly got help to know where he was, but they were coming to him for a reason because they couldn't see. Uh, the, the, the men or the people brought to him, the Bible says, a dumb man possessed with the devil. He couldn't speak. He was possessed with the devil. In verse 32, they know he's got a problem because he can't talk. And, and we know that he can talk, but for some reason he's not able to talk. We think there's something wrong. They bring him to Jesus because they know he has a need. But then he looks at the multitude in verse 36 and he's moved on a different level. See, it's because it's not, listen, it's not just the ones who know they have needs that, that have needs. It's not only the ones that have needs or they know they have needs that actually have needs. To this point, he's ministering to people that are coming to him. But when he sees the multitudes who don't know the depths of their needs, he's moved to a different level. And he says to his disciples, 
The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You see, there's a shift. And I want you to get it here. There's a shift in focus from people coming to Jesus because they know they have needs to him being moved by people who don't know they have needs. See, he sees their needs and their needs move him. They don't, they don't see their needs. I mean, so he says, let's go to them rather than just wait for them to come to us. We must go to them. That's what he says. And Jesus, now, understand, Jesus is not saying that the ones that come to him are no longer important. They're just as important. And what I believe, though, Jesus is getting to this is this. It's time to see the forest beyond the trees. The trees matter. Without trees, you don't have a forest. But don't miss the forest while you're so busy with the trees. See, we can become so consumed with the ones that come to us that we neglect those who never do. We can become so consumed with those that come to us that we neglect those that never do. We can stay, listen, we can stay very busy meeting the needs of the people that come to Eastside Baptist Church. I mean, guests come and we try to forge relationships and we try to connect with them. I and mean, we've got a church full of people with needs that come on their own. We're, you know, you came tonight um, just on your own accord. And I didn't, I mean, I said, hey, come tonight if you're a member. It's vision night or whatever. But, but I can't convince you. That's something that God has to do in your heart. You came of your own accord because, frankly, because you know you have needs. I'm here tonight because I know I have needs. We're here tonight because if we're left to ourselves, we will not like the end result. We need God to intervene in our behalf. We need the fellowship of God's people. We need each other. We need the preaching of God's word. We need the encouragement because we know the kind of needs that we have. We're aware. And we've got plenty to focus on with those that come to us. You could spend a lifetime just ministering to people that know they have needs and come asking you to help them with their needs. And just like Jesus, uh, and I'm not saying that Jesus did it wrong, okay? Understand, uh, he's trying to let the disciples know that in this situation, he's making a contrast to say, yeah, we could minister to these people that come to us, but don't forget, beyond the, the, the trees, there's a forest. There's a vast number of people beyond these walls that need somebody to love them. Listen, between what's happening at church and what's happening at your work and what's happening in your family, sometimes it doesn't feel like there's time for much more. And when it comes to ministry, it could be understandable to simply focus on what's happening here because we might think, man, I don't have time for anything else. I mean, there's teaching to be done. And I'm thankful, I just want to say thank you teachers for teaching and preparing lessons and investing. I'm thankful. There's singing to be done. We heard good singing from the choir and, and Ken and Kath tonight. There's, there's snow to be shoveled. Trustees, you tired of it yet? 
There's cleaning to be done. There's cooking for men's prayer meeting to be done. There's snow to be shoveled. There's tearing down to do and setting up and snow to be shoveled. Okay, I'm not going to do it again. You know, there's plenty to do, right? There's discipleship and there's choir practice and there's first impressions and there's junior church. But the danger that's being laid out in this passage, I believe here, is we can spend our lives meeting the needs of the ones that come, but neglect the needs of the ones that don't. And I believe that's a recipe for a church to eventually cease to exist. If all we ever do is just meet the needs of the ones and we fail to see the needs of the ones that don't come, then we are putting, setting ourselves up to eventually fade away. When someone doesn't know the level of their need, what, what we see from Jesus here is it should cause us to love on a different level. It should move us to know there's a world out there that doesn't even know the danger they're in. I, mean, I would venture to say that the majority of Sioux Falls isn't, isn't truly saved. And that's not me making a judgment. I'm just I'm based on the conversations I have with people and, and what I understand of, what, of the vast majority of people and the churches they go to if they, if they go to church. But, they, you know, they probably think they're okay. They probably think, you know, I, it, it's not real anyway. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm a good person. My good works outweigh my bad. I think I'm going to be fine. So they think they're okay. They don't know they're in need. Or maybe they don't know um, they're in danger of judgment and they just don't care. Or maybe they just don't know that there's an answer to their problem out there because nobody's told them. Listen, that should move us. It should drive us to have compassion. It should cause us to yearn in our bowels. Like what, what happens here, it should cause us to be moved for them because I just want to ask, what if it was you? What if you're the one, the lost sheep, just walking around spiritually fainting and you have no idea there's a wolf around the corner? I mean, what if it's your husband? What if it's your wife? I mean, what if it was your mom or your dad that don't know the needs they have? What if it's your son, moms and dads? What if it's your daughter, parents? What if it's your brother? What if it's your sister? What if it's your grandkids? See, when we put the faces of the people that we love onto the lives of those who have needs and don't know it, it will cause us to be moved because if it was our loved one, we would want someone to leave the walls and go tell them. Folks, we can't afford to get so busy with what happens within these walls that we neglect those just on the other side of them. They're over, I don't know if you saw the sign, they changed the Sioux Falls population sign. And there are over 208,000 in Sioux Falls now in the city limits. That doesn't include uh, Brandon or Harrisburg or T or any of the surrounding communities. 208,000, I think we're getting real close to 300,000 in the area, in the metro. Some of you that have lived here a long time, you can remember when Sioux Falls was not very big. 
I read recently that 77 languages are spoken in our school district. 77. Uh, people from all over the world are coming into our growing city, and most of them come from countries without a strong gospel witness. I mean, add in the, that those that were born in the United States and the many religious backgrounds they come from, and, and they have um, not a solid strong gospel background and it would surprise me if 10% of people in Sioux Falls were truly saved and maybe I may be pessimistic about it but I think that might in some ways be optimistic about those that are truly born again those that have truly placed their faith in Jesus Christ alone because there are a lot of people from other churches in our city that would say that they've placed their faith in Christ, but that doesn't mean what you and I believe that it means, biblically speaking. There's something else added in, typically, to someone that has, that has made a profession of their faith. And here's what Jesus says about that. At some point, we have to recognize that the vast majority of people in our community will never walk through these doors. The vast majority I mean, I don't know how many people have walked through these doors, first-time guests. I mean, it's in the thousands over, over the lifetime of Eastside Baptist Church. I mean, first-timers, you know, for the very first time coming through the doors of Eastside Baptist Church. I don't know exactly how many that would be. I would say it's probably in the, in the tens of thousands. I mean, I'm just, just trying to guess. I mean, it, let's say it's 20,000. I mean, that's still only 10% of, Sioux, of the Sioux Falls population that have ever stepped foot into Eastside Baptist Church. And we need to get to the place that we understand that most people that we see on a daily basis in our community will never walk through these doors because they don't know their need. And so we must make the transition uh, from busy ministers in here to compassionate ministers out there. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We're responsible for Sioux Falls. And if I'm comparing grades between what happens here and what happens out there, I think there's a disparity that we shouldn't be comfortable with. Yeah, and I know that's a, a straight way to say it, um, but I believe it's probably true in most churches. It's easier to focus on the ones that you see and the ones you're comfortable with and the ones that you know it's easier. And what Jesus says, he says it's going to take a different mindset than what you've had. Because if you just sit back and wait for them to come, it's like you could just sit down in a chair and just wait for them to come. In many ways, you, you have to be willing to be inconvenienced, but you're not the one taking the steps of initiative. Well, he says, no, it's time for us to stop just sitting back and waiting for them to come to us. It's time for us to go out there. And you know the word he uses? He uses the word laborers. And you know what that means? Work. And nobody likes that. <laughs> I mean, as disciples, do you know it's our job to work for souls? To work at it, to labor, to sweat. I mean, and I, I mean, I don't love going out in the middle of the summer because, you know, I, I sweat through my shirt and my khakis. And that's, you know, that's appealing. Come to Eastside Baptist Church, you know, in the middle of the summer. But, you know, it should be that way. Because Jesus says it's going to take labor. 
Uh, and, and listen, I understand, uh, but how hard have you been working at reaching our city? And not just our city, I mean the people that you've come in contact with in our city. You're not necessarily responsible for those that you never see, but Jesus says we're supposed to go out and find the ones that we would never see. And I get it because life is busy and there's a lot going on, but love must produce works if we are to please the Lord by meeting the needs of those who don't even know they have needs. So what does this look like? Well, obviously our outreach efforts need to be more consistent. And I know we live in a different environment and if we were in a different state like Arizona, door knocking in, in January would be fun. But it's not fun in January here. And, but what I pray is, though, that when we do have the opportunities, that we'll become more consistent. And I, what I pray is that anybody who serves in ministry, in a ministry, or has a position, will commit to spending weekly time in some kind of outreach effort. And if you hold a position, any position, if we expect to answer the call to reach our community and, and do what we're supposed to do as disciples, then we must labor. If you're in a position of leadership and we have an outreach emphasis, consider outreach essential to your role as a leader at Eastside Baptist Church. Notice I didn't say mandatory, but essential is kind of close to mandatory. It, you should view it that way. I'm not ever going to come and check up on you, but you should say if I lead at Eastside, you know what, I'm going to assume... That outreach, for me, it's mandatory. If you want to be a true disciple, it's not just about leadership or positions. It's not just about influence. If you want to be a true disciple, it's a big part of the job description to take part in evangelism. You can't read uh, the New Testament and, and the commands of Jesus Christ and come away thinking, I can be a disciple without talking about Jesus with people. There will be times this year we have a big day or we have a special emphasis and if we call for church-wide involvement and you have a position or influence or you just want to be a disciple, then you ought to be here. I mean, elected positions, ministry leaders, or people who simply want to do what Christ says we ought to do, it shouldn't be hard to convince those people to say, you know what, I ought to be there. If nothing else, I mean, take five tracks a week and hand them out. Last week I gave that challenge um, for our Love Works Night. Just take five tracks. And if we all did that, I mean, I think that would revolutionize our mindset toward our community. And said, if every person in this room just takes five tracks a week and invites people, yet you don't have to have a program for that to happen. Any of us can do that. You know, the plan to win the, plan to win the world will always include the gospel. I want to make that very clear. It will always include the gospel. The plan to reach the world is the gospel. But sometimes the soil, can we just admit this though, sometimes the soil isn't ready for the seed. You know, I mean, there's times when you're going to go, hi, we're from Eastside, we're just out inviting people in your neighborhood to come and attend uh, Eastside. You have a church home that you attend, and they're going to say, you know what, I am not interested at all. And they'll very quietly close the door in a peaceful manner. And sometimes it's not so peaceful. There are going to be times when the people we talk to about our church or about the Lord um, aren't ready for the seed. And you can't, you can't change that. I'm thankful that it's, the heart's not my responsibility. Aren't you? My responsibility is not the heart. My responsibility is effort. Effort. 
It's labor. But there's two thoughts, though, about that. When they're not ready for the seed, see, one way to prepare them is to start, is just to plant a seed. Plant a small seed. And it may not be a gospel seed. You say, well, that's just blasphemy. We're supposed to give everyone the gospel. Well, if someone's not ready to hear the gospel and you've kicked down their door and shove a track in their face, um, you probably aren't going to get very far in winning them. So there are times when you can't plant a gospel seed, but you can plant a seed. The other thing is, another way to pre is that we need to consider how to, at every situation, present our church in a positive light in our community. You know, I would venture to say that most people, the majority of people in, at, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, don't know that Eastside Baptist Church exists unless they drive up and down Highway 11 on a consistent basis. So we've got to figure out a way to let our community know that we are here and we love them. That we are here and we want to help meet their needs. And that's why this year, um, part of the plan that I would like to implement and, and try this year to do better with it is those two principles, to plant seeds and to present a positive view of our church in our community. And we're just going to call it our, our Love Works emphasis our love works ministry maybe what you might could say this this year we have selected categories and and to focus on each month and just to see if we can make some headway planting seeds and presenting a positive image of our church because again I, I I want you to know I'm not saying that the gospel no longer matters I am saying that sometimes you can't get the gospel to somebody or they're not ready to hear it but you still can plant a seed and you still can leave them with a positive impression of our church and so this month what I what we're going to try to do is each month focus on an on an area of our community and just do something for that group of people or for that emphasis so for instance in February we've got some slides for February. Our Love Works emphasis this year is we're going to try in some way to convey to a local firehouse or um, a, you know maybe a couple of them that we are thankful for their service to Sioux Falls. Have you, if you've ever had a fire at your house, you're thankful for firefighters, aren't you? Somebody that would come in the middle of the night at the drop of a hat and come help you put your, 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 fire, your fire out at your house. You know, and this is, you say, well, that's, that's kind of different that we would do something like that. Well, I'm not sure how, why that's so different um, because the Bible says that, that uh, we are to, with our good works, let them see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. And it's our good works that draws men to the Father. And listen, there may be some firefighters in Sioux Falls who would not sit down with you over a cup of coffee and let you present the gospel to them. But if you and a group of people showed up to the firehouse on some random Tuesday with a tray of cookies and sweets and sandwiches and a card from Eastside Baptist Church that said, thank you for loving our community and serving us, they might say, you know what? Um, Eastside Baptist Church might be something worth checking out. 
Because I can tell you this, they're going to be a lot more inclined to listen to you if you come with no expectation of anything in return. You simply walk into that fire station and say, we love you guys. We want to let you know how much we love you. Um, here's some uh, monster cookies. Why does that sound so good right now? We just want to let you know, as a church, Eastside Baptist Church, we love firefighters. And, and so what, what we're going to try to do then is in the month of February, we're going to let you sign up for this if you have a heart for this certain faction of group of people and say, you know, I want to be part of the team that puts together a plan to go into one or two or three or four fire stations in Sioux Falls and, and let them know that Eastside Baptist Church is here and we love them. In March, uh, one of the things that we'd like to do is go into our healthcare system and do something very similar. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to go and remodel Avera, okay? We don't quite have enough money for that. But you know what we could do? We could know about an office or a group of nurses or some, you know, a group of people that work really hard and, and you'll help us to know maybe some of those folks uh, that could use uh, a little love. And we'll take them, again, a basket or some kind of, uh, of a way to let them know that Eastside Baptist Church, we're not here to ask you for anything. We're just going to plant a seed and present a positive image or impression of our church. When, when we were in Stillwater, we, we had one year, the year that Audrey was born, we had one year where I think there were 12 or 13 babies born in our church. It was a baby boom for sure. And so after they were all born, then each mom and each baby took a picture, um, you know, like for, like for, I think maybe for Aaron and Audrey, it was a picture of Aaron's eye and Audrey's eye right next to each other. And that was part of the picture and 12 or 13 pictures in a big frame. And we just sent it up to where we took it up there to the uh, unit. What do they call it? Whatever. I was going to say trauma. It's not trauma. Okay. <laughs> it's baby delivery. Okay. Whatever it is. They took a picture, uh, put this picture in a frame, and just with one little, you know, eyes or, you know, a mouth or just a little, just little picture of the mom and the baby together and made this really neat picture and took it up there and said, we just, from Bible Baptist Church, we just want to thank you um, for serving us well this year. And, you know, they, they talked about that for a long time. We, we had lots of babies on that floor. And, and they hung that picture up in the office and it was there for years. And, and you know what it did? It let them know um, that, or it planted a seed, first of all, and then it left a positive impression of Eastside Baptist Church on that floor. And you know, we have all kinds of healthcare uh, facilities here. We have all kinds of, uh, I mean, we have units and nurses and we have, I mean, I don't even know how to pare that down, but I would like to, in the month of March, just take some time and try to let somebody know that Eastside loves them and we thank, we, we're thankful for the service that they provide. In, in April, it'll be a little different in that we have our Easter Sunday and, and you say, well, there's not anything to be involved in, in that except that we're going to buy a, get a bunch of tracks and we're going to try to hand them out to as many people as we can. And in the month of April, you could say, you know what, I'm going to prove my love works by handing out a bunch of tracks and flyers to get people to come to Eastside and hear the gospel on Easter Sunday. In, in May, we're going to try to emphasize um, a school or teachers. And, and you know, teachers, I, I know the school systems get a lot of, take a lot of flack. And, and honestly, they, they, in many cases, 
They probably should, but there are plenty of teachers who are trying to do things the right way in a lot of the schools around Sioux Falls. And, and I would love for, for our church in some way just to let um, a group of teachers know. I mean, so it may just even be taking, uh, taking sandwiches uh, to the teacher's break room and just with a card, let them know, hey, this came from Eastside Baptist Church and we want to let you know we're thankful for the way that you serve right here in Sioux Falls. Uh, in June, uh, this one will be a little bit different, but I don't know if you've ever driven around Sioux Falls on Saturdays. Uh, we've got a park right around the corner from our church. I mean, there are just literally dozens and maybe hundreds of people that spend the day at the park. In our neighborhood, uh, there's a lot of, of African immigrants and, and, and you've got uh, Hispanic uh, uh, immigrants or you know, people that speak this language over here and this language over here. And, and I just think it's a goldmine uh, for the gospel. And, and just to maybe even set up a table and hand out free water bottles that say Eastside Baptist Church on the side. And let, it's not, listen, we're not we're trying to make sure every one of them comes to Christ in that moment. Now, if somebody, it's time for somebody, then obviously we'll share the gospel. But we just want to plant a seed and we want to leave a positive impression of Eastside Baptist Church on those folks. And if you want to be involved in that, it can look however you want it to. There's a, it's an open, I mean, really just kind of an open-ended idea. In July, I'd like to focus on our law enforcement. I'd love to, in July, take a Sunday and have a, a Back the Blue Sunday or something along those lines. Um, because I don't know that there is a, a group of people that are taking more heat um, on a daily basis in our country than our, our law enforcement officers. And, for, and, you know, there's a lot of disrespect and a lot of hate and a lot of, um, you know, just terrible things being said about them and, and riots in the streets even right now because of something that happened in Memphis. And I'm not justifying everything that takes place. And there are times, plenty of times, where a law enforcement officer oversteps his bounds. But the vast majority of them are trying to do right. And they're trying to, they, they feel like it's a calling to be in law enforcement. And we have a, we have a, 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 a a contact, a connection with Brother Juan, who's, who's a, a, a chaplain right now in our Sioux Falls uh, Police Department, and I'm thankful for that. I would love for the policemen of Sioux Falls to know that Eastside Baptist Church is thankful for them. Because they're not getting a lot of gratitude, I think, from a lot of other people, and we want them to know that we're behind them. Yes. Think about in, in August, you know, this is um, maybe a, a silly thing, but you know, I can just envision us Maybe uh, we donate a backpack full of school supplies to needy kids. And you say, well, you know, that's not really getting the gospel out. Um, but, you know, if we put a card in that backpack and say, Eastside Baptist Church loves you. We want to be a help to you. If you ever need anything, please let us know. And a parent picks up that card who has needs and, and they're thinking, wow, that's a really generous thing for them to do for my, my child. I, I think I may need to check out Eastside Baptist Church at some point. Yeah, they, maybe we didn't give them the gospel in that moment, but our goal is to give them the gospel in the end. And if we can plant a seed and leave a positive impression of Eastside Baptist Church, I'm telling you, that's a win. It's a help. And if, you could, if you'd be willing and, and say, I want to get involved in that one and, and put your name on the list and say, let's start thinking about ways that we can make this work. In September, our, our focus would be our neighbors and coworkers. And this one would be less of a, of a church-wide effort and more of you just deciding this month, um, I am going to minister to somebody's need in my office. 
And it doesn't, and yeah, you can mean inviting them to church. We're going to uh, hopefully by the, at the end of September have what we're just going to call a family festival uh, neighborhood kind of a carnival for our church and, and invite our neighbors and just invite people and just have a, have a, be a blessing to the people in our neighborhood and just do that. But, but this one is less a program and more you just saying, I, I've got neighbors I've never talked to. I've got people in my, in my neighborhood and I see them, but we, they don't even know uh, where I go to church and they don't even know, you know, what we do. And I mean, the other day, my wife and I, we, we were clearing the snow um, off the street and it's a full-time job, you know, these days. And we were clearing out in front of the mailbox and then we have a neighbor, she's a widow and she lives alone. And we decided just to go ahead and clear her driveway as well and and she came out and the gratitude I mean it was like we had you know just done the greatest thing for her and and a little bit later she comes over and brings us a a loaf of of banana bread um, just to say thank you and I'm telling you it, it didn't take much more time for us to do that it was just us letting her know that we love her and and we and we were revealing our love by our works and it made a difference it made an impression on her, and sometimes those are the, that's all it takes. You might have a coworker that has a need, and you've never really just asked them questions about themselves. Well, maybe that's the month, and then we'll have an emphasis at the end of the month. Maybe you can invite them to come to that family festival emphasis. In October, our Love Works emphasis will be our missionaries. And we'll, we'll choose missionaries, and then maybe by classes or by age group, you'll just uh, put together some a package just to send and let them know we love you you're our missionary we love you we're thankful for you just to be a blessing to some of our missionaries obviously the Ruckmans and and others but we just want to be a blessing October's our our missions revival month and that'd be a great way uh, to look beyond our walls and and let somebody outside these walls know that we love them in November, uh, you know, it's just seen Thanksgiving turkeys or, or some kind of a Thanksgiving emphasis. And just to, just to donate some food or just try to be a blessing to people. There are a lot of people in our, in our, in our city that have needs. And they need help. They need, and, and I know you might say, well, you know, they, they should get out and work. And do, well, we don't know every situation. And it could be that, that there's somebody who has a need that has a genuine need. And if we can figure out a way to be a blessing. I don't even know what these look like necessarily. Uh, I'll be relying on you and your heart for it to see what it turns into. In December, it seemed natural to us to just have a toy drive and bring, you know, buy just one toy, wrap it, bring it. And just maybe we could be a blessing to somebody in our community. You know, and these may, these may change. But what I want us to get to the place of is, is considering the fact that, that we are here and they may not know it, we just want to plant some seeds and we want to present a positive image of our church. And here's why. Not because we think it, that, that toys, you can turn it off, not because we think toys take the place of the gospel, but a toy could be a seed that leads to the gospel in somebody's life. It could be the reason that somebody says, you know what, um, I, I don't know much about Eastside, but I do know they brought a tray of cookies to the firehouse back in February. And, and I have a need right now, and I didn't back then, but I do now. And guess who the first person they're going to think, the first church they're going to think about 
when they actually have a need that, that can't be met through more education and it can't be met through alcohol and it can't be met through a new relationship or, or, or more money. No, they're going to think about Eastside. They're going to think about that church that showed up randomly that one day and, and, and just let us know that they love us. And our community needs to know that Eastside is a place that loves them and what better way to prove our love than to show them our works? You say, well, I don't really know about this. Well, let me just remind you what Jesus said. This was last year's message. He said, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. You know, Christ said that love is the defining characteristic of his disciples. And love includes giving the gospel, doesn't it? I mean, it does for sure. But you know that love can also include letting a hospital or a, a medical worker um, know that we're thankful for them. Love can also include taking donuts to a teacher's lounge in a local middle school. And love can look like inviting an officer to our church to feed them and encourage them and say thank you for their service. Love can, can look like giving away a turkey or, or giving a toy with no expectation of anything in return just to show them that we love them. See, not everyone is going to respond to the gospel the first time they hear it. They're not going to respond to the gospel right away. So how else then are we going to plant seeds and present a positive image of our church? I'll tell you how, by daily selfless works. And they'll look at our works and they'll glorify our Father which is in heaven. You know, it's biblical to reveal our love through our works. Now, here's a disclaimer. This doesn't mean that we're done working within these walls. It doesn't mean that we, Jesus didn't say, and, and I know we've been here for a while, but there's only one vision night this year, so we can handle it, okay? Jesus didn't say, okay, let's stop ministering to the blind. He didn't say, let's, Stop dealing with the, those possessed of devils. He didn't say, I'm not taking any more appointments for, for little girls that have passed away. He didn't say that at all. No, he just said, in addition to what we're doing here, we need to look beyond the forest. Beyond, it, we don't want to miss the forest for the trees. It, it, listen, and I'm thankful. I just want to say, we need to keep what we're doing in these walls. We need to keep it up. And I'm thankful for the progress. I just want to mention a few things. I'm thankful for the progress made in the last year with ministries here at Eastside. I was looking at my notes from last year, Vision Night, and, and the things that we hadn't started yet that, that I was presenting last year were things like this, the orchestra. You know, and we've gotten used to the orchestra playing now each evening service, and they're doing a great job. And we might forget last year at this time, we didn't have an orchestra going. Thankful for the work with the Samuel and those that play are doing. I mean, that makes a difference. Last year at this time, I was presenting the idea of the First Impressions team. And, and listen, they're doing a great job greeting people on their way in, uh, moving cars for people. And when you walk in, you feel like they want you here. And I'm thankful for our First Impressions team. And now, I think we might could balance it with a few more female faces. Sometimes the guys that are there aren't really, you know, all that welcoming, but... But at least there's people there. And they say, how can I help you? I love that. Last year at this time, that wasn't happening. 
I'm thankful um, that we have ushers that are taking regular offerings. You know, this year, this, last year, this time, we were still giving on our way out the door. And now we're giving, and we've got ushers in place every service, and sometimes they make it up here in time, and that's a blessing. Um, cleaning. Now, last year at this time, uh, we weren't cleaning our own church building. And now, um, every week, we've got multiple people on the church property taking care of their, their area. And I'm, I've been, it's been a huge blessing. I think it's been great. I think the church is cleaner than it's ever been because we take ownership in it, and you're faithful, and I'm thankful for it. Um, last year at this time, I was presenting the idea of more than one men's prayer, uh, prayer meeting cook team because there was just one team that was doing all of it. And now we've got a rotation of three. And I'm thankful we got that. Uh, last year, we, our scripture-binding ministry uh, was not active. And, and this year, we've, we've put together and sent out thousands of scriptures already. And it's about to start after a break. It's a start, about to start back up on Tuesday. I want to say praise the Lord for that. Uh, last year at this time, I was talking about our first Bible school in years. And we had our first Bible school. And, and we had 12, I think about 12 kids saved at Bible school. I mean, that's a huge blessing. Junior churches coming together. We've got our security team working on things. Listen, these, there are things moving along well. Now, there are still some things that need attention, and we need to tighten some things. And, you know, some that were gung-ho about cleaning last year, they've stopped and, you know, just stopped coming. And, and so we're trying to fill those gaps. I mean, we could always use, Ms. Tina would say, we could always use more in the nursery. We, we could do better with swarming our guests and letting them know we love them. And when they come in the sanctuary and calling them by name and inviting them to lunch uh, we, we could do better at guest follow-up and all of those things I'd love to have a plan for some of our widows and shut-ins and and we're, listen we're not letting go my point is we're not letting go of what we're already doing within these walls we're not going to just say you know what we don't need to do that anymore let's go let's go outside and do some things out there no we can't release what we're doing here what we're trying to do is say there needs to be a balance there needs to be a balance between what we do here when we meet the needs of those that come to us like they came to Jesus, but we can't miss the forest for the trees. We can't get so busy with Eastside that we miss Sioux Falls. We must do a, a better job of letting our city know that we're here and that we care. We need to plant some seeds and present a positive impression of Eastside Baptist Church. See, love works, but in order for love to work, we must work. Jesus used the word labor, but it means the same thing. Love works, but we must work for love to really work. So how has your love been working this last year outside these walls? I know, I, I can see how faithful you are inside the walls, but how faithful have you been outside who came into our building this last year because you invited them? I mean, how many did you go find? Who heard the gospel in the last year because of you? And how many people have a positive view of Eastside because of your testimony? And how much time have you invested in the harvest field? Because there's a world full of need, people with needs that don't even know they have needs. And if we don't go to them, most of them will never come to us. I'll say that again. If, 
if we don't go to them, most of them will never come to us. My challenge tonight is the same as last year, really. Decide that 2023 is the year you put your works where your love is. Don't just say you love. Prove it with your works. Don't just say you love. Prove it with your works. In 2023, let's make sure our love works in Sioux Falls. And we don't want to miss the forest because we're so busy with the trees. And what role do you think God wants you to have in that? We're going to have an opportunity. You can sign up and say, listen, I really want to be a blessing to our firefighters. Or I really want to get involved in this, in, the, in, in helping or being a blessing to teachers or in our health care workers or uh, with our law enforcement. Uh, I want to be a blessing in gathering school supplies or helping around Thanksgiving or, or, you know, getting some toys together and being a blessing to somebody here. And whatever it is that you have a desire, and put your name on the list and we're going to, we're going to work on, on getting a plan together and then letting you know and just start working. Now, those that are involved in, our fi- in the firefighting, that's, that's this month. You know, and what are we going to do? What kind of plan are we going to have? Well, I, I'm telling you, it's a wide open field. And I really believe that God can use the seeds we plant and the positive impression that we leave in 2023. Will you have a part in it? Or are you going to sit back and let other people do it? Or are you going to say, I'm going to put my works where my love is? Let's stand together. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.